Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com radio. What is CBD? Is it safe for pets? And why isn't your vet talking about it? Find out on this episode of Tripod Talk Radio. And scratching like a three-legged dog. For any tripod, cat or dog. Why do some vets do things that way? Why do- so many people don't realize that their dogs are in pain. He's a three-legged dog and he's still pretty Hello and thanks again for listening. This is Tripod Talk Radio, episode number 90, recorded on December 12, 2019. CBD for pets is a hot topic everyone seems to be talking about these days, except your vet. Why is that? On this episode of Tripod Talk, we welcome back an expert in the field of veterinary pain management to discuss the use of cannabinoids for pets, what we know, and why your vet doesn't want to talk about it. You'll hear about specific conditions CBD has been proven to help with in clinical studies. We'll discover how to choose a good product and learn about the importance of reviewing the certificate of analysis before you purchase. Please welcome veterinary technician specialist and director of education and development at LVET Sciences, Mr. Stephen Sital. Welcome back to the Tripod Talk, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Stephen, we are so happy to have you back. Thank you very much. Um, It's been a while since you've been on the show, and the last time you were here, we talked about pain management for cats. And that is, yeah, and it is one of our most popular shows and um, blog posts. So, um, you know, you are giving information that people really want to know about, and we really appreciate that. Thank you for being here. No problem, and I always feel bad for the cats because they always get left behind. I think I said that last time, and I'll continue to say it (laughs) because they never get as much of attention as they should. They don't. They don't. But thanks to you and, and, you know, all the great work that you're doing there, they're, they're getting there. Um, but now you've, you've gone on, on a, a little bit uh, of a different career path right now. And um, you, are the, uh, you are the Director of Education and Development for LVET. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I uh, am not in practice anymore, which was a big life change and have moved on to a full-time position with Elvet Sciences looking at uh, cannabinoid therapy in companion animals. That's so awesome. I, so let's hear more about that because last time you were on the show, you said, hey, let's talk about that next time. And so here we are. Um, tell me more about how you got interested in uh, CBD and with pets and um just, uh, you know, let, it, let our audience know where you're coming from and why you decided to go to LVET. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm fairly transparent uh, in, in all the things that I, I do because I think that's really important for credibility and integrity of not only uh, companies, but certainly the people that work for those companies as well. And what really sparked my interest in, in cannabinoids are these molecules that come from the marijuana plant or the hemp plant uh, really stemmed from personal recreational use. Um, I came from California, and marijuana is legal for 21 and up adults uh, for, for recreational uses, and I certainly uh, partook in some of those um, uh, plants that are available to us. And uh, it, it's not a far stretch when you are using things on a recreational basis to see 
their application or at least their their potential for uh, use in a, a medical way. Um, and certainly we see that with the, the booming medical cannabis industry. Hence, we have so many states now legalizing at least medically and certainly recreationally. When it came to cannabinoid molecules in particular, things like CBD in companion animals, so dogs and cats, that was, uh, that was actually brought to my attention and, and my interest was sparked by pet owners. So working in the Bay Area in California, we certainly had pet owners that were interested in using things like CBD for their cats and their dogs. And it, at that time, this is uh, maybe four years ago, um, at that time, we just didn't have a lot of information or I didn't know a lot about it. Uh, mm-hmm. and kind of took a deep dive into some of the research and, and figuring out what we actually know about this stuff, what lab animal species have these things like CBD been tested on, have they been tested on regular dogs and cats for that matter. And uh, certainly having clients come in with animals that were um, dying or, or had some terminal illness and asking what we thought about using these. And because this animal or this pet was terminal and uncomfortable, you know, we told them we don't know a lot about this. We don't necessarily know the dosing really well, uh, mm-hmm. but it's probably not going to hurt. And, um, you know, at that time we, we would have the euthanasia discussions and then that date for that euthanasia would pass. And I would call up the client, not trying to pressure them into euthanizing their animal, but, you know, ask them, hey, we had kind of talked about maybe it's, it's time to euthanize um, uh, Fido at this point because his disease has progressed so, so much and his quality of life was poor. And they would say to me, well, since starting these CBD products, uh, their quality of life has improved and I don't wow. want to euthanize them anymore. And I was like, wow, like maybe I need to pay more attention to this. So I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, just based off all these anecdotes, really from these clients coming in that are using these products, uh, really, really sparked my interest. And then I felt more comfortable discussing these things with pet owners whose animal didn't have a terminal disease or, or an, an end point, you know, to their life. Um, and uh, to my surprise, I, I found some companies, in particular Elvet, that were actually invested into doing some of the science. Uh, so I think it was in 2017, I, I found out that Elvet Science uh, existed and that they were doing in uh, an osteoarthritis study at Cornell University. And so uh, I had a, a lecture that I was going to be giving in January of 2018, and I, I found them uh, in the exhibit hall, and we chatted a little bit, and I said, would you please come listen to me lecture about this stuff? And they did, and it's been history ever since. And, and what's really cool is I think they have uh, an amazing team, uh, dedicated veterinary professionals that have been in the industry for a long period of time. We have an amazing advisory board of all the top names, the rehab specialists, the surgeons, neurologists, all the top veterinarians in the country part of this advisory board to make a quality, safe, and effective product uh, for mm-hmm. pets. So that's, that's how I got into it. Wow. The, all this in four years. That's incredible. I mean, that, that just shows how much you were, you grew this passion for this, this, um, 
this product. Um, and, you know, just so our audience knows, I mean, Stephen, you were based in California, and you kind of turned your life upside down to take this direction. You went to the East Coast, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in Maine now. Um, wow. And I, if anyone wants to send me anything, you're more than welcome to send me corn, <laughs> corn tortillas, please. <laughs> Apparently, they don't have them up here in Maine. It's all flour tortillas. And being a Mexican, um, it's... it's uh, difficult to survive so <laughs> oh you you got it I'm, I'm here in southern california right now we've got tortillas oh. coming out oh of our gosh. ears i'll bring you some <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh my gosh well um and elvet is is the company that is behind the the famous cornell study that is now cited yeah. by a lot of, of veterinary groups and and veterinarians and you know, when people talk about the uses and safety of, of CBD, that's the one study that is like it was the breakthrough where vets actually started yeah. looking at it and going, well, maybe there's something there. Um, but, you know, there's still so many vets out there that are really mm-hmm. reluctant to talk about it. And um, I, I was just kind of wondering if you could tell us why, why is that? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of key reasons the veterinarians or veterinary practitioners, whether it's a, a technician or a veterinarian, are, are concerned about talking about these certain types of products, in particular CBD products, and that's largely uh, because we didn't learn about the system that these molecules, things that CBD work on, uh in school. So we don't know anything or we didn't learn anything about this endocannabinoid system. We didn't learn about this in pharmacology class. Um, And then certainly the other uh, uh, road bump that we have when discussing these types of products is there's a lot of really confusing information coming out of veterinary uh, professional organizations, so things Mm -hmm. like the ABMA, veterinary medical associations, and veterinary medical boards as far as the legality of these products. And what we have to understand when we're we're starting to talk about cannabis products in general is cannabis is kind of like this this catch net for two different types of plants. Cannabis sativa L is the actual genus of the plant, so the scientific name of this special plant that creates these molecules like THC or CBD. What we have defined in the law now, which, again, is not well disseminated to all the regulatory bodies and and just general people, is hemp has a very specific definition in the law, and that's having less than 0.3% THC compared to marijuana, also known as cannabis in a lot of legislation as a state's or writing this stuff, uh, has greater than 0.3% THC. THC is a molecule that can make our pets uh, sick or has these mm-hmm. what's called these psychotropic effects so they can get high just like people can, but it's scary for them because they are not intentionally getting high. They are not trying to, to get this euphoric feeling or space out or get right. the munchies or have an increase in heart rate. That is very scary for them. So we have to first understand what product we're using, and the legality of that product in your state. So at this point, veterinarians, because marijuana is still a Schedule One drug, so it's up there with things like uh, heroin and LSD and all those other scary, pretty hard drugs, mm-hmm. they are not allowed to discuss, recommend, or prescribe those types of products. But what we did see change at the end of 2018, so I think this is even before we talked the last time, or after we talked the last time, uh, we had um, 
uh, a bill passed called the Farm Act bill, and that legalized or, or descheduled hemp and all its derivatives from the DEA. So hemp is no longer a scheduled plant like marijuana is, and it's allowed to be transported, uh, grown, and, and processed in all the states. What that bill also did, which makes it even more confusing on the, the regulatory side, is that bill did allow states to govern how they want to implement these hemp-growing manufacturing programs. So not all the states have bought into this yet, even though it's legal at the federal level. What the federal government did with that act, though, is protect uh, hemp growers and farmers and and manufacturers, protect them in that they're allowed to transport hemp products through any of the states, regardless if the state has has bought into actually creating a program itself uh, to manufacture, grow, or produce hemp products. Does that make sense? Now it does. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) And that that explains why hemp, I mean, uh, CBD products are in gas stations now. I mean, they're kind of like everywhere. Yeah, And and we'll get to that, but, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then I I think the last piece when it comes to actually using these products or discussing these products with your veterinarian in the hospital is the veterinarians are very confused because they're getting this mixed information from organized veterinary medical associations uh, about the legality of these things. And what hemp products are considered now are supplements or nutraceuticals. So they fall in this weird unregulated uh, by the FDA category. So in veterinary medicine, there's only drugs and there's foods that the FDA actually demands that they they must be safe and and proven to work and all the fun things. In the animal world, supplements and nutraceuticals are not regulated by the FDA. So the FDA is not going to the manufacturers and and making sure uh, everything on the label is correct correct. They are not demanding scientific studies. So there are a lot of scary products out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what has happened is the veterinarians, because these associations are saying they're not FDA approved, are, are, are then just saying, oh, we can't use them or talk about them in general, when the reality is they are using unapproved uh, supplements and nutraceuticals every single day. I'm sure all of us mm-hmm. have bought glucosamine or maybe yep. they got some dinamarin or some fortiflora or maybe they're using Unin Bio. Those are also all non-FDA approved wow. supplements and nutraceuticals sold in veterinary medicine. So we have this whole long prohibition and stigma against cannabinoids or cannabis in general that has also played into these factors as, as far as um, discussing uh, maybe a little bit more of a um, conservative approach to using these types mm-hmm. of products compared to other supplements. Okay. That, yeah, I, I mean, to put it in the same category as something like glucosamine, I mean, that, it's kind of crazy. But, um, yeah. it, you know, I'm, I'm really encouraged to see that in every session at a veterinary conference that we've attended over the last couple of years, especially the talks that you've given, the room has been packed. And veterinarians are hungry for this information. Um, they're they're learning it and they're ge- they're getting there and 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 it's getting yeah. out to the to the veterinary technicians and everybody in the community so that we can get good information when we take our our dog or yeah. cat into the clinic. Absolutely, and and I you know I'm just I'm gonna 
stand on my soapbox for just a second. You know, this is a a show geared towards um, uh, pet parents, and I can't encourage pet parents more to really encourage your veterinarian to go learn about this stuff because then they can have this safe conversation with you because there is potential risks uh, for some of these products, and and they should be aware of that, and they shouldn't be scared of, of talking about this with you. And I think the other thing that has been happening is because veterinarians, some veterinarians are scared to talk about these things or they think that there's certain restrictions which are largely unfounded, mm-hmm. what's happening is it's forcing us, the consumers, the pet parents, to have to get maybe less credible information from the person at the gas station or from <laughs> what are called, you know, the bud tender at these dispensaries right. or something, you know, from, from a high schooler. Why are we getting medical information for our sick pets? from people that are not qualified. So please, please, please encourage your veterinarians to get involved, learn about this stuff, and and hopefully become advocates for it because we're going to use it, we as the consumers, whether they give the blessing or not. I I couldn't agree more. And I I think that um, maybe at some point uh, admin guy over here at Tripods will design some kind of leaflet that – we can print out and hand to our veterinarians and say, hey, how about, you know, yeah. go into this resource where you can learn more about it the next time our vet says, well, I don't know and I can't recommend anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so first, well, we'll talk about choosing a, a good product and, and, you know, bad products and things like that in just a second. <laughs> but first, let's talk about, you know, why are people using CBD and um there's lots of crazy stories out there. Oh, it, it cured my dog's cancer or, or, you know, all this stuff. And yeah. what, what is documented right now? And, <laughs> and what do you expect yes. to see documented in the coming year or two? Yeah. So speaking to the science and not to a specific product right now, the stuff that we have actual evidence for is certainly the alleviation of discomfort associated to things like osteoarthritis. So that is now documented through the Cornell study. Uh, there's a couple of, uh, of other osteoarthritis studies that are going to be coming out literally any day now. Oh, and, cool. and we do see efficacy there, which is very, very exciting. Uh, again, as far as uh, decreasing uh, discomfort in these animals with, with um, diagnosed osteoarthritis. There was also a pilot study is a fairly small one. So a pilot study means they're usually small kind of discovery studies to see if they need to look further or change their protocol in, in uh, their upcoming studies. And there was one released uh, this last summer by Stephanie McGrath's lab out of Colorado State University looking at the use of things like CBD for epilepsy in dogs. And uh, what they found or what they discussed in the paper was the owners and the clinicians felt there was a decrease in frequency, severity, and uh, uh, length of seizures in these animals. But unfortunately, uh, they didn't meet that 50% reduction that they wanted to see and and set up in the protocol. Uh, So technically, the conclusion was uh, that it wasn't statistically significant in, in helping things like epilepsy. With that said, the dose that they used in that particular study was low, in my opinion. And, and mm. what they're doing now is they're actually increasing, almost doubling the dose uh, for their three-year-long study, which I think they will actually uh, probably meet their, their criteria of 50% reduction. Mm-hmm. With that said, we also have another study going on uh, out of Massachusetts 
Uh, it's a different uh, group of neurologists and, and hospital. It's actually being funded by Elvis uh, Sciences uh, doing a, an epilepsy study with their particular product. And what's interesting about um, different companies uh, sponsoring these, these studies, which is really exciting because generally veterinary medicine doesn't get a lot of money to do studies, mm-hmm. uh, hence there aren't a lot of studies for a lot of the things that we do, is each of these manufacturers, because these products come from a plant, we can't tell the plant, I need you to produce uh, 50% of your, your derivatives as, as CBD <laughs> 0.2% at THC, I need some CBG. We can't tell these plants what to do, and, and they can change from year to year and grower to grower. Mm-hmm. And so these products that manufacturers are making, they can be vastly different. So it's really hard for veterinary professionals, I think this ties into the I don't know what to tell you, is, is we can't necessarily extra- extrapolate the results from one study and expect the same success with a different product for the same condition that it was used for in the study, if that makes sense. Um, Because they can be so diverse because they're from a a plant. Some of the other stuff that we have documented so far is that we know things like CBD in particular are going to be safe for our pets. Uh, We have three PK studies now uh, done. One is out of Colorado State University where, again, Dr. McGrath's lab did uh, an oral, two oral forms with a, an oil, one with a capsule, and one with a, a, a transdermal formula. And uh, they were using actually pretty high dosages. They were using 10 and 20 milligrams per kilogram twice a day, which is a lot higher than I think most practitioners would recommend that are familiar with these types of products. But again, found that they were safe. They did see an mm-hmm. increase in what's known as the alkaline phosphatase or ALP, which is a specific liver enzyme. Um, and we think that's largely associated to the metabolism of these products. So we're giving this animal, these animals, this brand new compound. The liver's like, whoa, what is this stuff? Yeah. And it's throwing out extra of this enzyme. It doesn't necessarily mean the liver is dying or it's sick or it's scared or whatever, unless we were to see other liver enzymes increase, in particular the AST or ALT at the same time. What's interesting is... Um, even though the Colorado State University study and the Cornell study were not collaborative, they did not work together, the Cornell study also saw an increase in ALP in these old dogs, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the ones that were on traditional non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And the dosages there were actually much different. Um, so like I said, the Colorado State University study was using 10 and 20 mg per king. The PK studies out of Cornell University were using 2 and 8 milligrams per kilogram, so much lower, and still saw that that increase in the ALP. What's confusing about all of this is the animals that were used uh, in uh, a more recent study were all younger, healthy animals. It was a 12-week study. Again, this was using the, the LVET product. Uh, for this 12-week study at 2 milligrams per kilogram in cats and dogs, the dogs and the cats in that study did not see an increase in ALP outside of the normal reference ranges for this 12 weeks, which is very wow. good and promising. Yeah. And, and I think really speaks to 
the population that were used in the studies and certainly the dosing as well. So maybe the Colorado State University, the dosing was higher. That induces this ALP increase. And because the dogs that were used in the Cornell study were really old and some of them were on other medications, that drug-to-drug interaction may have increased this. We're not super positive as to why it was increasing, but we didn't see anything outside of the normal ranges uh, for this 12-week study in cats and dogs. There was one silly cat that did have a, a spike. It is always a cat that ruins all the perfect data, but there was one cat that did have an increase in the ALT, which is a little bit more of a concerning liver enzyme, but it peaked at four weeks and then went back down and no other liver enzymes were increased. And because it was this one cat for this one particular marker, it was not considered statistically significant in the overall study. But it is notable that if Mm -hmm. you're going to have your pet on these products, you should, one, let your veterinarian know that they're going to be on these products so we can look for things like this. And two, it may be worthwhile to have regular monitoring, similar to what we do for animals that are on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories for a long period of time, which is typically doing blood work uh, every six months. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, it's, it's interesting because we started our dog Wyatt on Adequan injections recently. And when mm-hmm. his vet prescribed them, his vet is actually at Colorado State. And when she prescribed them, I, I said, hey, I, I guess this means we should probably be doing labs a little more often now. And she said... Not for that, but if you're going to put him on CBD like we had discussed earlier, I want you to do mm-hmm. it because he's going to be on CBD. And I said, whoa, right. that's saying yeah. something. But she explained exactly yeah. what, what you were talking about. Um, so, yeah, people, um, if you are giving your, your pets CBD, please don't hide that from your vet. They need to know so that you can talk about a, a plan to monitor uh, with labs. Um, so, meanwhile, uh, let's, let's talk about choosing a, a product because people... Well, yeah, it's the Wild West out there, and people are coming in oh with gosh, all yeah. sorts of crazy <laughs> products. And recently, the FDA came down hard on, I think it was 15 yeah. different yep. companies. And yep. l- let's, let's talk about that. Let's, um, I know you, you can go on and on about it, so please do. <laughs> yeah, so as far as, as far as choosing a product, you're absolutely right. It is the Wild West out there, you know, uh, Everybody and their brother is jumping on this, this bandwagon uh, because it is a huge booming industry and it's predicted to go up to like a, a five, no, I'm sorry, a 25 million or $25 billion industry within the Whoa. next five years. So everybody is wanting to jump onto this, uh, this particular industry to make a little bit of cash. But with that, we see poor production. Uh, we see uh, poor products being put on the shelves. And then we created a super saturated market, so it's not easy for pet parents to choose a safe or reliable product. Um, And so the best way we can really uh, protect ourselves at this point is by asking a company or uh, inquiring with a company about a a piece of documentation, and it's known as a certificate of analysis. And on the certificate of analysis, it should be done by a third-party testing lab. The USDA has recently put out some guidelines as well that hemp should be tested by a third-party 
17025 certified laboratory. And so what's going to be on this certificate of analysis is a breakdown of the cannabinoids, so these, these molecules that come from the hemp plant and their concentration. So we can actually see, oh, this product has 50 milligrams per milliliter of CBD in it compared to this other product that has maybe uh, three milligrams per milliliter in it. So you can help yourself by not only doing a, a little bit of backwards math and figuring out how many cents it's going to be costing per milligram, especially right. if you have a larger dog, uh, but it'll also help your veterinarian appropriately dose your pet. Um, and so outside of just CBD, it'll have all the other cannabinoids on there. It should also have a breakdown of what terpenes, and terpenes are the molecule from the plant that provides that aroma, that classic marijuana smell, that, that really heavy, earthy smell that I think we're all familiar with from our high school, college days, or adult <laughs> days, depending on where you live. Um, but those terpenes also, we believe, have some therapeutic benefits. Uh, and what's interesting about terpenes is terpenes are are recognized by the, the FDA as GRAF, which is an acronym, which is no pun intended, um, which, is a pun, uh, which is an acronym that stands for generally referred to as safe. So they are a, a safe product that are in a lot of our foods, our cosmetics, our lotions, all, all, all those kinds of things. So they add this aroma, but they also help produce this thing called the entourage effect, which is essentially making the CBD or some of these other phytocannabinoids uh, molecules in the product work better, which is really, really interesting. So we like to see a really smelly product that really smells like those college and high school years because we know that that's going to work better than something that's known as an isolate. So an isolate product is just CBD and everything else is taken out. And what we know from not only human literature, but some of the, the lab animal studies that are coming out is when you have all the molecules or most of the molecules from the plant together that were kept together, it seems to work better than an isolate product. I remember when huh. I first started learning about this CBD stuff, I was like, man, if we could just isolate this single molecule out, make it super concentrated, it's going to work so much better than right. this full plant or broad spectrum products. We now know that that is not true in the slightest. Um, <laughs> so again, those are two things we want to look for on the certificate of analysis. On the certificate of analysis, we should also be looking for other contaminants that can be in the products. And this is, this is the big one. This is the kicker for us mm-hmm. um, because we know that a lot of these hemp uh, extracts are still being imported uh, from overseas uh, or there's uh, less uh, savory um, uh, farming practices being done in the U.S. And so what can happen is, is pesticides and fungicide uh, contaminants can still be in some of these tinctures and even these treats um, if they're not grown organically. So, you know, my personal preference is looking for a product that was grown organically, so I just don't even have to worry about yeah. that. But even if a manufacturer says it's grown organically, you should still see that they are testing for pesticides and fungicides because you don't know if there's going to be pesticide or fungicide drift from a neighboring field, mm-hmm. right? And the last thing we want to give our pets, our sick pets, are chemicals, nasty chemicals. Yep. Um, the other thing that we should be looking for are bacterial or pathogen 
or mycotoxin uh, uh, contaminants in these products. And so, again, just like our human foods, we have certain bacteria that are good, and then we have certain bacteria that are bad, in particular things like salmonella, E. coli. We don't want to see those things in our product. And then lastly uh, is, is a section that should be known as the elemental analysis. And this is going to be looking for other contaminants like heavy metals, in particular uh, things like uh, lead, uh, even arsenic uh, can be contaminating some of these products. So mm-hmm. the only real way we have, because they're not FDA approved, to protect ourselves is by asking for the certificate of analysis. If the company is unwilling to give you a certificate of analysis or they give you kind of a doctored one or one that's kind of incomplete, I wouldn't use it. I would mm-hmm. not use it. I think I, the other thing... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no. You go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. My, my one last little tidbit as far as arming yourself is, you know, I, I think we all like data and we all like a product that has some research behind it. So lean on the products that actually have some safety data behind it. 99.99% of the products out there don't have safety data on there. There are a handful of products out there that do have these PK studies, that do have these efficacy studies, and do have these safety studies. And I would lean on those because those are the ones we have the most information on. So uh, what, what I was going to say, I didn't want you to lose your train of thought, but um, I have asked for COAs from a couple of different um, pet-centric CBD companies, and they, mm-hmm. they willingly provided them to me. I took mm-hmm. one look, and I went kind of cross-eyed looking at it. Um, <laughs> I did, and I didn't, you know, I didn't have a great yeah. explanation like you just gave. But I'm wondering, yeah. um, is there a, a place on the web or, or some kind of um, resource that has like a visual graphic of breaking down a COA that you know about that we might be able to send people to? I have not seen what I would consider uh, a comprehensive one. I've seen, okay. you know, articles that people have written where they suggest this and they're all generally okay, but it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be up to snuff if I were to be reviewing it. Um, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but I will say that, um, we are working, I, I am working on a series of videos for pet owners with LVET Sciences, which is going to okay. be on our educational page, on how to read these COAs, because it is, yes. it is eye-crossing. Uh, there, you have to do some math. You have to look at all these, these acronyms and things that you're not familiar with. I mean, I had to learn them when I was <laughs> learning how to evaluate mm-hmm. these things. So when that's available, why don't I ping you back and, and you guys can send that out to uh, your audience. Absolutely. I, that is so badly needed because, I mean, even, even somebody like me, you know, I, I think about this kind of stuff a lot. And I, I looked at that and I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's a good thing that you gave this to me, but I had no idea how to read it. Um, yeah. And with one company, they their COA was, it, it looked great as far as I could tell, but they gave me the disclaimer when they emailed me and said, we have not tested for heavy metals, but we plan on doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, I'm glad they're transparent. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And needless to say, I didn't buy anything from that company um, because I wanted to wait. Um, But let's let's. We have a few minutes left, and I I just want to talk about, you know, what can we expect once we do find a product that we and hopefully our veterinarian are comfortable with. Sure. So once you actually find a product. depending on what, what you want to support the body with. Uh, so if you had a, a patient that 
maybe had a lot of arthritis. And as far as dosing and, and how quickly you'll see results, it is going to be patient. It is going to be patient dependent. Uh, in that, there's this thing called the endocannabinoid system tone, and that, that's a big term for how many receptors in your body are empty and needing attention from cannabinoid molecules. So the endocannabinoid system in general is this big set of receptors, just like we have serotonin receptors that we take medication for, right? We supplement our, our serotonin receptors with antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, we um, have opioid receptors that we supplement with things like uh, uh, morphine uh, when it's in pain. So the endocannabinoid system receptors sometimes need a little bit of support as well with these cannabinoid molecules, things like CBD that we get from the plant. Depending on how many receptors you have open, how many natural chemicals your body is producing that generally take care of those receptors, if you're not going to be taking some sort of supplementation, that's known as the endocannabinoid system tone. So each patient is going to be a little bit different, or each animal is going to respond a little bit differently. But in general, I would say out of personal experience, lots of personal experience, we usually see effects in the first few days to certainly a week. I think if you're not seeing results after two weeks, it may be worth looking at a different dosing regimen uh, by either increasing or, or yeah, increasing uh, the total dose or maybe the frequency to which you're giving these particular products. So I would say give products a good two weeks to see if you see any changes. And sometimes what happens is you aren't necessarily paying attention to dramatic changes, but then one day you notice, you're like, hey, my dog's legs aren't shaking anymore. That's what happened with my dog. I was like, huh, his legs aren't shaking anymore. And I, you know, I felt like a fraud because I'm supposed to be this pain specialist and didn't realize my dog was uncomfortable for such a long period of time. But you just kind of wake up and it's like, wow, I think this stuff is working for them now. Oh, that, I, gosh, that's, that would be beautiful. Our, our dog is struggling with arthritis right now. So um, if the uh, Adequan does what it's supposed to do, I would love to try to supplement it with the, the CBD. Um, yeah. what, speaking of Adequan and things like that, um, is CBD safe to use alongside other medications like pain relievers? Sure. So that's a great question. And what, that, what the, the data so far is telling us is so far it it does appear safe to be giving these types of products with a majority of traditional pharmaceutical drugs. With that said, we should always be aware there are certain drugs uh, that change the enzymes that your liver produces. So they, they are pharmaceutical drugs or molecules in general that can be inducers of certain liver enzymes or inhibitors mm. of certain enzymes. And that will change how either your traditional pharmaceutical drug may work or how the CBD product may work. Uh, Even though we have a lot of theoretical ideas about which drugs are inducers or inhibitors, we don't necessarily see that manifesting in real life at this point. One anecdote that I, I do think is worthwhile is if your pet is on higher dosages or chronic gabapentin, which is a very common drug that a lot of our, mm-hmm. our older dogs are on, uh, or maybe they're still on tramadol, which I think we discussed last time doesn't work yeah. in dogs, but some right. dogs are still on it. Uh, we can see them be a little bit sleepy for the first few days. And whether that's a drug interaction or maybe it's because the CBD product just took that extra 
pain edge off. Not really sure. Don't really have proof of that. Maybe uh-huh. they're just sleeping more because they're more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, instead of it being an actual drug interaction, because it does go away within a few days, it's usually not a concern for us. Oh, that's really good to hear. Uh, and why it is on gabapentin, um, a lot of it. Uh, oh, so, uh, yeah, that's good to know. Although I don't think anything could make this dog sleepy. He seems to sleep with one eye open. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Stephen, uh, anything else that, that you'd like to add uh, about CBD and pets? I think I'm good. I, I think I gave okay. you an earful. You did. Um, that was and- awesome. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, just be look out, just be on the lookout, uh, for the educational page that we're going to be putting on the, the Albert Sciences page. Uh, I, I encourage all pet parents to talk to their veterinarian, uh, about these particular products and ask them to, to look at the research and to get educated because this isn't going anywhere. Uh, pet parents want it. Uh, the industry is booming. They're going to have to become familiar sooner or later. You have said it perfectly. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. It's always so educational, and I just I love that you're doing this now, this kind of work. I think you've really found your calling, and, and we, we need people like you out there, so thanks for leading the way. Well, thank you so much. Stephen, we can't thank you enough for your insight on this popular topic. With so much talk about CBD and some pretty confusing product choices out there, we look forward to helping Tripods fans make smart decisions. Learn more about LVET, the science behind their products, and the studies they are performing on many CBD products at LVETSciences.com. Here are previous talk with Stephen about managing pain in cats on Tripod Talk episode number 73, and find all past Tripods podcasts at downloads.tripods.com. He's a three-legged dog and he's still pretty Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast. Tripod.